Section two of the Perfumed Garden by Sheikh Nazawi, translated by Richard Burton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Alia Mackey. Chapter two concerning women who deserve to be praised. Know, O Vizier, and the mercy of God be with you, that there are women of all sorts that there are such as are worthy of praise and such deserve nothing but contempt in order that a woman may be relished by men she must have a perfect waist and must be plump and lusty her hair will be black her forehead wide she will have eyebrows of ethiopian blackness large black eyes with the whites in them very limpid with cheeks of perfect oval she will have an elegant nose and a graceful mouth lips and tongue vermilion her breath will be of pleasant odour her throat long her neck strong her bust and her belly large her breasts must be full and firm her belly in good proportion and her navel well developed and marked the lower part of the belly is to be large the vulva projecting and fleshy from the point where the hairs grow to the buttocks the conduit must be narrow and not moist soft to the touch and emitting a strong heat and no bad smell she must have the thighs and buttocks hard the hips large and full a waist of fine shape hands and feet of striking elegance plump arms and well-developed shoulders if one looks at a woman with those qualities in front one is fascinated if from behind one dies of pleasure looked at sitting she is a rounded dome lying a soft bed standing the staff of standard when she is walking her natural parts appear as set off under her clothing she speaks and laughs rarely and never without reason she never leaves the house even to see the neighbours of her acquaintance she has no women friends gives her confidence to nobody and her husband is her sole reliance she takes nothing from any one excepting from her husband and her parents and if she sees relatives she does not meddle with their affairs she is not treacherous and has no faults to hide nor bad reason to proffer she does not try to entice people if her husband shows his intention of performing the conjugal rite, she is agreeable to his desires and occasionally even provokes them she assists him always in his affairs and is sparing in complaints and tears she does not laugh or rejoice when she sees her husband moody or sorrowful but shares his troubles and wheedles him into good humour till he is quite content again she does not surrender herself to anybody but her husband even if abstinence would kill her she hides her secret parts and does not allow them to be seen she is always elegantly attired of the utmost personal propriety and takes care not to let her husband see what might be repugnant to him she perfumes herself with scents uses antimony for her toilettes and cleans her teeth with suak such a woman is cherished by all men the story of the negro Drachma. the story goes and god knows its truth that there was once a powerful king who had a large kingdom armies and allies his name was ali bin Drachma. one night not being able to sleep at all he called his vizier the chief of the police and the commander of his guards they presented themselves before him without delay and he ordered them to arm themselves with their swords they did so at once and asked him what news is there he told them sleep will not come to me i wish to walk through the town to-night and i must have you ready at my hand during my round to hear is to obey they replied the king then left saying in the name of god and may the blessing of the prophet be with us and benediction and mercy be with him his suite followed and accompanied him everywhere from street to street so they went on until they heard a noise in one of the streets and saw a man in the most violent passion stretched on the ground face downwards beating his breast with a stone and crying all there is no longer any justice here below is there nobody who will tell the king what is going on in his states 
and he repeated incessantly there is no longer any justice she has disappeared and the whole world is in mourning the king said to his attendants bring this man to me quietly and be careful not to frighten him they went to him took him by the hand and said to him rise and have no fear no harm will come to you to which the man made answer you tell me that i shall not come to harm and have nothing to be afraid of and still you do not bid me welcome and you know that the welcome of a believer is a warrant of security and forgiveness then if the believer does not welcome the believer there is certainly ground for fear he then got up and went with them towards the king the king stood still hiding his face with his hike as also his attendants the latter had their swords in their hands and leant upon them when the man had come close to the king he said greetings to you o man the king answered i return your greetings o man then the man said why say you o man the king said and why did you say o man it's because i do not know your name and likewise i do not know yours the king then asked him what means these words i have heard ah there is no more justice here below nobody tells the king what is going on in his states tell me what has happened to you and the man said i shall tell it only to that man who can avenge me and free me from oppression and shame if it please almighty god the king said to him may god place me at your disposal for your revenge and deliverance from oppression and shame what i shall now tell you said the man is marvellous and surprising i loved a woman who loved me also and we were united in love these relations lasted a long while until an old woman enticed my mistress and took her away to a house of misfortune shame and debauchery the sleep fled from my couch i have lost all my happiness and i have fallen into the abyss of misfortune the king then said to him which is that house of ill omen and with whom is the woman the man replied she is with the negro of the name of draghma who has at his house women beautiful as the moon and the likes of whom the king has not in his palace he has a mistress who has a profound love for him is entirely devoted to him and who sends him all he wants in the way of silver beverages and clothing the man stopped talking the king was much surprised at what he had heard but the vizier who had not missed a word of this conversation had certainly made out from what the man had said that the negro was no other than his own the king requested the man to show him the house if i show it to you what will you do asked the man you will see what i shall do said the king you will not be able to do anything replied the man for it is a place which must be respected and feared if you want to enter it by force you will risk death for its master is redoubtable by means of his strength and courage show me the place said the king and have no fear the man answered so be it as god will he then rose and walked before them they followed him to a wide street where he stopped in front of a house with lofty doors the walls being on all sides high and inaccessible they examined the walls looking for a place where they might be scaled but with no results to their surprise they found the house to be as close as a breastplate the king turning to the man asked him what is your name umar bin said he replied the king said to him umar are you determined yes my brother answered he if it so pleases god on high and turning to the king he added may god assist you to-night then the king addressing his attendant said are you determined is there one amongst you who could scale these walls impossible they all replied then said the king i myself will scale this wall so please god on high but by means of an expedient for which i require your assistance and if you lend me the same i shall scale the wall if it pleases god on high they said what is there to be done 
tell me said the king who is the strongest amongst you they replied the chief of the police who is your sayyaf and who next said the king the commander of the guards and after him who asked the king the grand vizier Umar listened with astonishment he knew now that it was the king and his joy was great the king said who is there yet Umar replied i o my master the king said to him o Umar, you have found out who we are but do not betray our disguise then you will be absolved from blame to hear is to obey said Umar. the king then said to the sayyaf rest your hands against the wall so that your back projects the sayyaf did so then said the king to the commander of the guards mount upon the back of the sayyaf he did so and stood with his feet on the other man's shoulders then the king ordered the vizier to mount and he got on the shoulders of the commander of the guards and put his hands against the wall then said the king o Umar, mount upon the highest place and Umar, surprised by this expedient cried may god lend you his help o our master and assist you in your just enterprise he then got on the shoulders of the sayyaf and from there upon the back of the commander of the guards and then upon that of the vizier and standing upon the shoulders of the latter he took the same position as the others there was now only the king left then the king said in the name of god and his blessing be with the prophet upon whom be the mercy and salutation of god and placing his hand upon the back of the sayyaf he said have a moment's patience if i succeed you will be compensated he then did the same with the others until he got upon Umar's back to whom he also said o Umar, have a moment's patience with me and i shall name you my private secretary and of all things do not move then placing his feet upon Umar's shoulders the king could with his hands grasp the terrace and crying in the name of allah may he pour his blessings upon the prophet on whom the mercy and salutation of god he made a spring and stood upon the terrace then he said to his attendants descend now from each other's shoulders and they got down one after another and they could not help admiring the ingenious idea of the king as well as the strength of the sayyaf who carried four men at once the king then began to look for a place for descending but found no passage he unrolled his turban fixed one end with a single knot at the place where he was and let himself down into the courtyard which he explored until he found a portal in the middle of the house fastened with an enormous lock the solidity of this lock and the obstacle it created gave him a disagreeable surprise he said to himself i am now in difficulty but all comes from god it is he who gave me the strength and the idea that brought me here he will also provide me the means for me to return to my companions he then set himself to examine the place where he found himself and counted the chambers one after another he found seventeen chambers or rooms furnished in different styles with tapestry and velvet hangings of various colours from the first to the last examining all round he saw a place raised by seven stair-steps from which issued a great noise of voices he went up to it saying o god favour my project and let me come safe and sound out of here he mounted the first step saying in the name of god the compassionate and merciful he then began to talk at the steps which were of variously coloured marble black red white yellow green and other shades mounting the second step he said he whom god helps is invincible on the third step he said with the aid of god the victory is near and on the fourth i have asked victory of god who is the most puissant auxiliary finally he mounted the fifth sixth and seventh step invoking the prophet with whom be the mercy and salvation of god he then arrived at the curtain hanging at the entrance it was of red brocade 
from there he examined the room which was bathed in light filled with many chandeliers and candles burning in gold scones in the middle of this saloon played a jet of musk water a tablecloth extended from end to end covered with sundry meats and fruits the saloon also provided with gilt furniture the splendour of which dazzled the eye in fact everywhere there were ornaments of all kinds on looking closer the king ascertained that round the tablecloth there were twelve maidens and seven women all like moons he was astonished at their beauty and grace there were likewise with them seven negroes and his and this sight filled him with surprise his attention was above all attracted by a woman like the full moon of perfect beauty with black eyes oval cheeks and a lithe and graceful waist she humbled the hearts of those who became enamoured of her stupefied by her beauty the king was as one stunned he then said to himself how is there any getting out of this place oh my spirit do not give way to love and continuing his inspection of the room he perceived in the hands of those who were present glasses filled with wine they were drinking and eating and it was easy to see they were overcome with drink while the king was pondering how to escape his embarrassment he heard one of the women saying to one of her companions calling her by name oh so-and-so rise and light a torch so that we too can go to bed for sleep is overpowering us come light the torch and let us retire to the other chamber they rose and lifted up the curtain to leave the room the king hid himself to let them pass then perceiving that they had left their chamber to do a thing necessary and obligatory in human kind he took advantage of their absence entered their apartment and hid himself in a cupboard whilst he was thus in hiding the women returned and shut the doors their reason was obscured by the fumes of wine they pulled off their clothes and began to caress each other mutually the king said to himself Omar has told me true about this house of misfortune as an abyss of debauchery. When the women had fallen asleep, the king rose, extinguished the light, undressed, and lay down between the two. He had taken care during their conversation to impress their names on his memory, so he was able to say to one of them, You, so-and-so, where have you put the door-keys? Speaking very low, the woman answered, Go to sleep, you whore, the keys are in their usual place. The king said to himself, There is no might and strength but in God the Almighty and benevolent, and was much troubled. And again he asked the woman about the keys, saying, Daylight is coming, I must open the doors, there is the sun, I am going to open the house. And she answered, The keys are in the usual place. Why do you thus bother me? Sleep, I say, till it is day. And again the king said to himself, There is no might and strength but in God the Almighty and benevolent, and surely if it were not for the fear of God I should run my sword through her. And he began again, Oh, you, so and so, she said, What do you want? I am uneasy, said the king, about the keys. Tell me where they are. And she answered, You hussy, does your vulva itch for coition? Cannot you do without for a single night? look the vizier's wife has withstood all the entreaties of the negro and repelled him since six months go to the keys that are in the negro's pocket do not say to him give me the keys but say to him give me your member you know his name is Dragma. the king was now silent for he knew what to do he waited a short time till the woman was asleep and he dressed himself in her clothes and he concealed his sword under them his face hid under the veil of red silk thus dressed he looked like other women then he opened the door stole softly out and placed himself behind the curtains of the saloon entrance he saw only some people sitting there the remainder were asleep 
The king made the following silent prayer. O oh, my soul, let me follow the right way, and let all those people among whom I find myself be stunned with drunkenness, so that they cannot know the king from his subject, and God give me strength. He then entered the saloon, saying, In the name of God, and he tottered towards the bed of the negro as if drunk. The negroes and the women took him to be the woman whose attire he had taken. Dragme had a great desire to have his pleasure with that woman, and when he saw her sit down by the bed, he thought that she had broken her sleep to come to him, perhaps for love games. So he said, Oh, you so-and-so, undress and get into my bed, I shall soon be back. The king said to himself, There is no might and strength but in the high God, the benevolent. Then he reached for the keys in the clothes and pockets of the negro, but found nothing. He said, God's will be done. Then, raising his eyes, he saw a high window. He reached up with his arm, and found gold-embroidered garments there. He slipped his hands into the pockets, and, oh, surprise, he found the keys. He examined them, and counted seven, corresponding to the number of the doors of the house, and in his joy he exclaimed, God, be praised and glorified. Then he said, I can only get out of here by ruse. Then, feigning sickness, and appearing as if he wanted to vomit violently, he held his hand before his mouth, and hurried to the centre of the courtyard. The negro said to him, "'God bless you, O so-and-so. Any other woman would have been sickened to the bed.' The king then went to the inner door of the house, and opened it, he closed it behind him, and from one door to the other, till he came to the seventh, which opened upon the street. Here he found his companions again, who had been in great anxiety, and who asked him what he had seen. Then the king said, This is no time to answer. Let us go into the house with the blessing of God and with his help. They resolved to be upon their guard, there being in the house seven negroes and twelve maidens and seven women, beautiful as moons. The vizier asked the king, What garments are these? And the king answered, Be silent. Without them I should never have got the keys. He then went to the chamber where the two women, with whom he had been lying, took off the clothes in which he was dressed, and resumed his own, taking good care of his sword. Repairing to the saloon where the negroes and the women were, he and his companions ranged themselves behind the door curtain. After having looked into the saloon, they said, Amongst all these women there is none more beautiful than the one seated on the elevated cushion, said the king. I reserve her for myself, if she does not belong to someone else. While they were examining the interior of the saloon, Drahme descended from bed, and after him one of those beautiful women. Then another negro got on the bed with another woman, and soon till the seventh. They rode them in this way, one after the other, excepting the beautiful woman mentioned above, and the maidens. Each of these women appeared to mount upon the bed with marked reluctance, and descended, after the question was finished, with her head bent down. The negroes, however, were lusting after, and pressing one after the other, the beautiful woman, but she spurned them all, saying, I shall never consent to it, and as to these virgins, I take them also under my protection. Dragme then rose and went up to her, holding in his hands his member in full erection, stiff as pillar. He hit her with it on the face and head, saying, Six times this night I have pressed you to cede to my desires, and you always refuse, but now I must have you even this night. When the woman saw the stubbornness of the negro and the state of drunkenness he was in, she tried to soften him by promises. Sit down here by me, she said, and to-night thy desires shall be contented. The negro sat down near her, and his member still erect as column. The king could scarcely master his surprise. The woman began to sing the following verses, intoning them from the bottom of her heart. I prefer a young man for coition, and him only. He is full of courage. He is my sole ambition. 
his memory strong to deflower the virgin and richly proportioned in all its dimensions it has a head like to a brazier enormous and none like it in creation strong it is and hard with a head rounded off it is always ready for action and does not die down it never sleeps owing to the violence of its love it sights to enter my vulva and sheds tears on my belly it asks not for help not being in want of any it has no need of an ally and stands alone in the greatest fatigues and nobody can be sure of what will result from its efforts full of vigour and life it bores into my vagina and it works from there in action constant and splendid first from the front to the back then from the right to the left now it is crammed hard in by a vigorous pressure now it rubs its head on the orifice of my vagina and he strokes my back my stomach and sides kisses my cheeks and anon begins to suck at my lips he embraces me close and makes me roll on the bed and between his arms i am like a corpse without life every part of my body receives in turn his love-bites and he covers me with kisses of fire he sees me in heat and he quickly comes to me then he opens my thighs and kisses my belly and puts his tool in my hand to make it knock at my door soon he is in the cave and i feel pressure approaching and he says receive my seed and i answer oh give it beloved one it shall be welcome to me you light of my eyes o oh, you man of all men who fillest me with pleasure oh you soul of my soul go on with fresh vigour for you must not yet withdraw it from me leave it there and this day will then be free of all sorrow he had sworn to god to have me for seventy nights and what he wished for he did in the way of kisses embraces during all those nights when she had finished the king in great surprise said how lascivious has god made this woman and turning to his companions there is no doubt that this woman has no husband and has not been debauched for certainly that negro is in love with her and she has nevertheless repulsed him Omar bin said took the word this is true o king her husband has been away now for nearly a year and many men have endeavoured to debauch her but she has resisted the king asked who is her husband and his companion answered she is the wife of the son of your father's vizier the king replied you speak true i have indeed heard it said that the son of my father's vizier had a wife without fault endowed with beauty and perfection and of exquisite shape not adulterous and innocent of debauchery this is the same woman said they the king said no matter i must have her and turning to omar he added where amongst these women is your mistress omar answered i do not see her o king upon which the king said have patience i will show her to you omar was quite surprised to find that the king knew so much and this then is the negro drachma said the king yes answered the vizier and he is a slave of mine be silent said the king this is not the time to speak while this of course was going on the negro drachma still desirous of obtaining the favours of that lady said to her i am tired of your lies o bedr el budur or full moon of the full moons for so she called herself the king said he who called her so called her by her true name for she is the full moon of the full moons afore god however the negro wanted to draw the woman away with him and hit her in the face the king mad with jealousy and his heart full of ire said to the vizier look what your negro is doing by god he shall die the death of a villain and i shall make an example of him and a warning to those who would imitate him at that moment the king heard the lady say to the negro you are betraying your master the vizier with his wife and now you betray her in spite of your intimacy with her and the favours she grants to you and she surely loves you passionately and you are pursuing another woman the king said to the vizier listen 
and do not speak a word the lady then rose and returned to the place where she had been before and began to recite o oh men listen to what i say on the subject of woman her thirst for coition is written between her eyes do not put trust in her vows even were she the sultan's daughter woman's malice is boundless not even the king of kings would suffice to subdue it whatever be his might men take heed and shun the love of woman do not say such a one is my well-beloved do not say she is my life's companion if i deceive you then say my words are untruths as long as she is with you in bed you have her love but a woman's love is not enduring believe me whilst lying upon her breast you are her love treasure whilst the question goes on you have her love poor fool but anon she looks upon you as a fiend and this is a fact undoubted and certain the wife receives the slave in the bed of the matter and the serving men ally upon her their lust certain it is such conduct is not to be praised and honoured but the virtue of women is frail and changeful and the man thus deceived is looked upon with contempt therefore a man with a heart should not put trust in a woman at those words the vizier began to cry but the king bade him quiet then the negro recited the following verses in response to those of the lady we negroes have had our fill of women we fear not their tricks however subtle they be men confide in us with regard to what they cherish this is no lie remember but it is truth as ye know oh you women all for sure ye have no patience when the very member are your wanting for in the same resides your life and death it is the end and all of your wishes secret or open if you collar and ire are roused against your husbands they appease you simply by introducing their members your religion resides in your vulva and the manly member is your soul such you will always find is the nature of woman with that the negro threw himself upon the woman who pushed him back at this moment the king felt his heart oppressed he drew his sword as did his companions and they entered the room the negro and the women saw nothing but brandished swords one of the negroes rose and rushed upon the king and his companions but the sayyaf severed with one blow his head from his body the king cried god's blessing be upon you your arm is not withered and your mother has not borne a weakling you have struck down your enemies and paradise shall be your dwelling and place of rest another negro got up and aimed a blow at the sayyaf which broke the sword of the sayyaf in twain it had been a beautiful weapon and the sayyaf on seeing it ruined broke out into the most violent passion he seized the negro by the arm lifted him up and threw him against the wall breaking his bones then the king cried god is great he has not dried up your hand oh what a sayyaf go grant you his blessing the negroes when they saw this were cowed and silent and the king master now of their lives said the man that lifts his hand only shall lose his head and he commanded that the remaining five negroes should have their hands tied behind their backs this having been done he turned to badr al-budur and asked her whose wife are you and who is this negro she then told him on that subject what he had heard already from umar and the king thanked her saying may god give you his blessing he then asked her how long can a woman patiently do without coition she seemed amazed but the king said speak and do not be abashed then she answered a well-born lady of high origin can remain for six months without but a lowly woman of no race nor high blood who does not respect herself when she can lay her hand upon a pan will have him upon her his stomach and his member will know her vagina then said the king pointing to one of the women who is this one she answered this is the wife of the qadi and this one the wife of the second vizier and this the wife of the chief of the muftis and that one the treasurers and those two women that are in the other room 
she answered they have received the hospitality of the house and one of them was brought here yesterday by an old woman but the negro has so far not gotten possession of her then said umar this is the one i spoke to you about o my master and the other woman said the king to whom does she belong she is the wife of the amin of the carpenters answered she then said the king and these girls who are they she answered this one is the daughter of the clerk of the treasury this other one the daughter of the muhtasib the third is the daughter of the bawab the next one is the daughter of adin al-muadhinin that one the daughter of the colour-keeper at the invitation of the king she passed them thus all in review the king then asked for the reason of so many women being brought there together badr al-budur replied o master of ours the negro knows no other passion than for coercion and good wine he keeps making love night and day and his member rests only when he himself is asleep the king asked further what does he live upon she said upon yolks of eggs fried in fat and swimming in honey upon white bread he drinks nothing but old muscatel wine the king said who has brought these women here who all of them belong to officials of the state she replied a master of ours he has in his service an old woman who has had the run of the houses in the town she chooses them and brings to him any woman of superior beauty and perfection but she serves him only against good consideration in silver dresses etc precious stones rubies and other objects of value and whence does the negro get that silver asked the king the lady remaining silent he added give me some information please she signified with a sign from the corner of her eye that he had got it all from the wife of the grand vizier the king understood her and continued badr al-budur i have faith and confidence in you and your testimony will have in my eyes the value of the two of adils speak to me without reserve as to what concerns yourself she answered him i have not been touched and however long this might have lasted the negro would not have had his desire satisfied is this so asked the king she replied it is so she had understood what the king wanted to say and the king had seized the meaning of her words has the negro respected my honour inform me about that said the king she answered he has respected your honour as far as your wives are concerned he has not pushed his criminal deeds that far but if god had spared his days there is no certainty that he would not have tried to soil what he should have respected the king having asked her then who those negroes were she answered they are his companions after he had surfeited himself with the women he had caused to be brought to him he handed them over to them as you have seen if it were not for the protection of a woman where would that man be then spoke the king badr al-budur why did not your husband ask my help against this oppression why did you not complain she replied o king of the time o beloved sultan o master of numerous armies and allies as regards to my husband i was so far unable to inform him of my lot as to myself i have nothing to say but what you know by the verses i sang just below i have given advice to men about women from the first verse to the last the king said o badr al-budur i like you i have put the question to you in the name of the chosen prophet the benediction and mercy of god be with him inform me of everything you have nothing to fear i give you that a man complete has this negro not enjoyed you for i presume that none of you were out of reach of his attempts and had her honour safe she replied o king of our time in the name of your high rank and your power look he about whom you ask i would not have accepted him as a legitimate husband how could i have consented to grant him the favour of an illicit love the king said 
you appear to be sincere but the verses i heard you sing have roused doubts in my soul she replied i had three motives for employing that language firstly i was at the moment in heat like a young mare secondly iblis has excited my natural parts and lastly i wanted to quiet the negro and make him have patience so that he should grant me some delay and leave me in peace until god would deliver me of him the king said do you speak seriously she was silent then the king cried Badr you alone shall be pardoned she understood that it was she only that the king would spare from the punishment of death he then cautioned her that she must keep the secret and said he wanted to leave now then all the women and virgins approached Badr al-Budur and implored her, saying, Intercede for us, for you have power over the king. And they shed tears over her hands, and in despair threw themselves down. Badr al-Budur then called the king back as he was going, and said to him, O our master, you have not granted me any favor yet. How? said he. I have sent for a beautiful mule for you. You will mount her and come with us. As for these women, they must all of them die she then said o oh, our master i ask you and conjure you to authorize me to make a stipulation which you will accept the king made oath that he would fulfil it then she said i ask as a gift the pardon of all these women and all these maidens their deaths would moreover throw the most terrible consternation over the whole town the king said there is no might nor power but in god the merciful he then ordered the negroes to be taken out and beheaded the only exception he made was with the negro dragma who was enormously stout and had a neck like a bull they cut off his ears nose and lips likewise his barrel member which they put into his mouth and then hung him on a gallows then the king ordered the seven doors of the house to be closed and returned to his palace at sunrise he sent a mule to badr al-budur in order to let her be brought to him he made her dwell with him and found her to be excelling all those who excel then the king caused the wife of umar bin said to be restored to him and made him his private secretary after which he ordered the vizier to repudiate his wife he did not forget the sayyaf and the commander of the guards to whom he made large presents as he had promised using for that the purpose of the negroes hordes he sent the son of his father's vizier to prison he also caused the old go-between to be brought before him and asked her give me all the particulars about the conduct of the negro and tell me whether it was well done to bring in that way women to men she answered this is the trade of nearly all old women he then had her executed as all old women who followed that trade and thus cut off in his state the tree of pandarism at the root and burnt the trunk he besides sent back to their families all the women and girls and bade them repent in the name of god this story presents but a small part of the tricks and stratagems used by women against their husbands the moral of the tale is that a man who falls in love with a woman imperils himself and exposes himself to the greatest troubles End of section two.